Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we'll hear from Pastor Nate Linseth on living faith. Now here is Pastor Nate. Wow. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you... Actually, you can sit down. That's okay. Actually, it's not okay. Stand up. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise. He deserves a bigger praise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Mm. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now we can be seated. Sorry for the pump fake. So good to see all of you this morning. Um, man, what a pleasure. And really, God does get all the glory. It's just amazing. Myel and I just want to express our gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, PCC is the place to be. You want to say that with me? Let's try that out. PCC? Hey, come on. Turn it to your neighbor. Some of your neighbors didn't say that. Say, PCC is the place to be. So good. It is. Well, we, we are so grateful. A few things we want to just express our gratitude. To, we really need to say thank you to uh, the Board of Deacons. Would you give a hand to them? Thank you so much for all that they have done. Thank you. You've been so kind. Uh, Myel and I were blown away. We, we came in with uh, two U-Hauls filled to the gills and an RV and cars. And so many of you came and just helped us out. Uh, pulling weeds already, uh, fixing our door that needed to be fixed. I mean, it was incredible. We moved in so fast. So we just want to say thank you. Another thing that we want to say thank you to is how well this church honored Pastor Bill and Joy last week. Wasn't that incredible? Come on. We're so grateful for you, Pastor Joy. We, Myel and I, um, we just marveled at all that was happening. And uh, we just look forward to this. You know, I, I thought it was 13 months that you've been without a lead pastor. And uh, Sam Thanical actually just reminded us that it's been 14 months. So 14 months. Uh, it is over. It is over. The wait is over. And uh, we hope that uh, you will come next week. We're looking forward uh, to the commissioning. It's going to be a powerful time. Uh, so we just can't wait to be there. You know, this whole process um, of this transition of coming to Portland Christian Center, uh, it really has been something to marvel at. And that, that word um, marvel is a really interesting, interesting word. What, what causes us to marvel? All of us have different things that cause us to marvel, right? I was thinking about um, one of my friends. He did the Iron Man. Has anybody heard of the Iron Man? Has anybody here done the Iron Man in this room? I'm just looking around. Okay, nobody has. I have a friend that just finished it in Texas. His name's RJ. And in case you're not sure what the Iron Man is, um, it's 2.4 miles swim, and then you dry off, and then you do a 112 mile bike ride, and then you switch your shoes. And then you run a marathon 26.2 miles. Anybody else tired just thinking about that? Right? So I started thinking, who's the oldest person ever to complete an Ironman? 
And I looked, and Leroy's name came up. No, just kidding. He wasn't on there. <laughs> Leroy didn't do it. Maybe, maybe the oldest person that ever did it, his name was Hiramu Inada, 85 years young. Marvel at that, right? That's pretty impressive. Another thing that a lot of us have been marveling at has been the gas prices. And just in case you needed some encouragement today, I went and checked out what they were this morning, and here's what they're actually costing this morning. <laughs> so if you need some, just let us know. Another thing that has been really popular recently that we've been marveling at is something called Dude Perfect. Who's heard of Dude Perfect? It's a YouTube channel, and they do all kinds of fun trick shots. They're also Christians. Uh, they actually came to the Portland area not too long ago, and they prayed for people. It's really cool what they're doing. But they do all these amazing things, and um, we were marveling so much that it caused our family to start trying these trick shots. So I want to show you a video of our son Titus. This is two years ago attempting a trick shot. Yes. Yeah, there he goes. He takes a little bow for you. That's Titus. But we all have things that we marvel at. But the question I want, us to, I want you to ask yourself is what causes Jesus to marvel? What is it that would cause Jesus to marvel? In the Greek, there's this word thumazo, thumazo, and it means to be marveled or amazed. And there's actually two instances where Jesus uses the word thumazo. Say that to your neighbor, thumazo. It's a fun word. You'll, you'll sound really smart, right? We would say it in the Greek. To describe someone's faith. In Mark 6, 6, he actually uses it to describe the lack of faith. He actually says, I am marveling at how much this group of people is not marveling the works that God is doing. Now, the context of that story is that he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and he was doing miracles and doing ministry. And it says in the scripture that he could not do many miracles there because they did not have any faith. How many know when faith dries up, miracles do as well? But not here at PCC, right? I think we're going to be more like Matthew 8, verse 10, where Jesus marveled at the faith of the Roman centurion. And we're going to read that in just a moment. If you have your Bibles, would you go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 8? But the question really is, why did Jesus marvel at this man's faith? What was the context? What was it that caused Jesus to look at this? And, and here's what I believe the reason was that Jesus marveled at his faith. I believe, and this is the title of the message, that he had living faith. Not dead faith, living faith. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you my definition of what living faith looks like. And it's the big idea for this morning. Living faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he would do. I'm going to read that for you one more time. Living faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he will 
do. Our faith is not in ourselves and our own strength, but it is in our God who saves, heals, delivers, and transforms. Can I get an amen in the house? That's what living faith looks like. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version in just a moment, and it will be up on the screen. But I want to give you the context. Matthew chapter 8, if you were to read Matthew chapter 6 and 7, you would find out that that is one of the most famous sermons of all time. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Very good, man. We're smart in the house. Come on. By the way, any other JBQers, the former JBQ people? All right. We got a champion down the row. All right. Good, good. Um, but it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preaches this long. It's the Beatitudes. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's salt and light. All these amazing things that we've heard sermons now years and years gone by. But I love this because he doesn't just preach a message and say, OK, now you just go ahead and do whatever I told you. He actually lives it out. He comes down from the mount and it says that he goes to Capernaum and he's still meeting with people and he's meeting needs. And that's where this story takes place. So Matthew chapter eight, verse eight, here's what it says. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Okay, put yourself in that story. You need Jesus to heal you or heal somebody in your family or a friend. And he says, I'm coming and I'm going to heal him. How many of you at that moment say, let's go, right? I got a car. I got a Prius. I got something. We're going to ride together and I'll get you there as safe as possible because Jesus already said, I'm coming to your house, right? I would not do what the centurion does. Listen to what he says. This is so fascinating. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. Way better than Alexa. <laughs> only speak a word. Now we're starting to see why Jesus marveled at this man's faith. He had living faith. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. There's that word. Thumazo. He marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Do you realize how offensive that would be in that moment? He's not a Jew. He's not a rabbi. He's not a famous believer. He's not done any miracles. He has no lineage of faith. He's a Roman centurion. In fact, many people who are listening to this would be thinking he's an enemy. And Jesus says, no, this person has the greatest faith in all of Israel. That would have been shocking in those moments. But it's good news for all of us. It's not based on your physical bloodline, but your new bloodline in Christ that sets you apart. You are his son and his daughter. And when you believe Jesus through Mazos, he says you have great faith and I marvel at that. Isn't that cool? That's who you are. So as surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Come on. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. that he was healed that same hour. It's all right. You'll get used to me. I like participation. We're going to jump in together. and We're going to grow together. Sound good? Yeah. Sound good. This man's faith caused Jesus to marvel. And I believe because he had confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he will do. And I truly believe this. When Jesus marvels, we must meditate. Amen. When Jesus marvels, we better take notice. If he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I want to know what causes him to get excited for him to take notice because that is my savior, my Lord. And I want to honor him with my life and with my faith. So the question I want to ask you today is what does living faith look like? What does living faith look like? And I have three words that we're going to go through today. The first word is that it looks like trust. Say trust. The Roman centurion knew who Jesus was. What did he say? Lord. He said, Lord, you don't put people as Lord of your life that you don't trust. Many people struggle to follow Jesus because they like his teaching. They like the way that he empowers other people. They even like the nice pictures on the walls of surfer Jesus. They like all these different things about him. But the moment that they have to say, Jesus, you are Lord over my life. A lot of people say, oh, I'm out. I'm out. Why? Because I have to take my hands off the controls for that to happen. I'm no longer in charge. I'm saying I'm doing it your way, not my way. And especially it seems like in America, that doesn't seem to go very well. Everybody wants it my way, faster, special ordered, and I'll have fries with that. <laughs> Everything is customizable to us. I mean, look at our cell phones, for goodness sakes. How many different colors and covers could you have? Right? We all want things our way. And yet to come into the kingdom, we have to say, no, you are Lord. And I trust you with my life. Now, before I enjoy my soapbox too much, I want you to know that giving up control is extremely hard for this person right here. It uh, was evidence this week. Myel and I, we, we got in our, our minivan, our Honda van, and we decided to go uh, to the grocery store. And as we got in the car, Myel made, the, made the, in the comment. She said, you know, since we moved to Portland, I haven't actually driven in Portland at all. And I thought, what a great idea. You drive, I'll be the passenger. Can you see where this is going? <laughs> and she drove us to the store. I mean, she got there safe. There were no tickets. She chose the perfect parking spot. But the whole way, I was the problem. I was reaching for the brake. I was telling her to turn this way. I was critiquing. And guys, in case you're wondering, critiquing your wife is never a great choice. 
Let's just say I had to do some repenting later when we got home. But control is hard to give up. It's just one of those things that all of us struggle with. But when we trust God, it's similar to driving and being in the passenger seat, but it's actually a little different in this. When I trust God, it's not I sit in the passenger seat and just chill out. It actually looks like participation. Trusting God requires my participation. If you think about the story with Noah and God said, I want you to build an ark. Do you remember that story? He says, build an ark. There's going to be a flood. All this is going to happen, but you got to have an ark. I, if I'm Noah, I'm thinking, sweet, I'm going to go to bed in my tent. I'm going to wake up and boom, the boat has arrived. That's not what happened, is it? He said, here's your blueprint. I want you to the measurements and here's a hammer. Get to work. All of us would enjoy and we even pray, Lord, just take this situation away. May that person think like me, believe like me and even like me more. I don't really want to work at all these other things. Just fix it. But, you know, faith, living faith, it actually requires trust and participation. This played out in, in my life. When I was 14 years old, I had a dream uh, at a service. It wasn't really a dream. I was praying and it was a it was more of a vision that um, I was I was preaching at a message and there were people all in the congregation. And as I was preaching, there was all these people like running to the altars, getting saved like getting saved over and over and over. Like it was just this amazing thing. And all these people were getting saved. They were getting baptized, transformed. And there was this amazing thing that was happening. And God called me to be a pastor at that moment. He said, you will be a pastor. And this is who you're going to be. Could you imagine if I would have said, oh, that's the best vision. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my Netflix and chill? And just sat on the couch and just waited for God to do everything. What would have happened? Absolutely nothing. From that point on, I went, I finished, I finished high school. I went to Northwest University, received, received a degree in ministry. And then I married my amazing, beautiful wife who's called into ministry. Come on, you should clap for that. That was really good. I amazed, I, I married her. And then I got my master's in church leadership. All of the choices I made we're following the direction that God had given me. And one of the things that many people miss out when they say they trust God, they forget to consult with what God wants them to do. From big things to little things, trusting God requ requires participation. And what does participation often look like? This is a word not many people like. Obedience. Living faith looks like, point number two, obedience. Obedience is the difference between dead faith and living faith. Obedience is the difference between dead faith and living faith. We just finished a series in James. Remember that series? Remember that? And this is what James put it this way. Faith without works is dead or useless. 
I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it. This is what he says. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. PCC. That's you, by the way. Portland Christian Center. This is who we are. We are people with living faith. If God calls us to go somewhere, we're going. If God calls you to raise godly kids, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going. If he tells you to witness to your coworker, what are you going to do? I'm going. If God calls you to apologize to your spouse, I'm going to apologize. If God calls us to pray for the sick and see somebody healed, are we going to go? If God says, I want you to give generously and sacrificially and it's going to hurt, are we going to give? Yes. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit leads you into something and you obey, it's the safest place you ever could be. Whenever we follow God, and we obey him and we have living faith, buckle up, buttercup. It's going to get good. It's going to be exciting. It may be scary. It may not be what you wanted it to look like, but I can promise you this. It's always way better than you could ever have imagined. Why? Because we serve a God who we can trust. And when we obey, our best days are always right in front of us. But here's the challenge, and this is the truth. This is the tension. You and I, we like control. And we think our way is the best way. Just ask your spouse. I'm sure they would agree that you think your way is the best way. And the tension is God will often call you to do things, to experience things. And here's the problem. You ready? This is the problem for all of us. That's out of our comfort zone. (gasps) Oh my goodness. That song was not my favorite song. The way that person drove, I was so uncomfortable with the way that they drove. Come on, you with me on this? All of us, we are creatures of comfort. Anybody here have your favorite chair? Don't you dare sit in my chair. I paid good money to have that chair. Get that dog off my chair right now. Didn't even like that dog anyways. We all have things that we enjoy, that we like, and I'm not saying they're bad, but what I am saying, God may call you to something greater and it usually will cause discomfort in your life. Obedience is always way more fun to tell other people to do it. Oh, yeah, God's calling you that. Yeah, go ahead. Bless you. Look, bless you. Bless you. Go do it. Well, what about you? Oh, I've got my ministry over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good right here. But God is calling Portland Christian Center to do things that we have never even imagined yet. Amen. It's going to be better than you think. It's so exciting. And my prayer and my challenge for every single one of us is that we would have faith that Jesus marvels at. Just like the centurion would. He didn't just say, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Um, I know you're Lord, but 
you got to come to my house. You got to pray the special prayer. You got to put the anointing oil on. You got to do all these different things. He had, there was no routine, no specific way you had to have it. He, all he said was, at your word, Lord, I'm going. At your word, Lord, I'm going. If you want to grow your faith, listen to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Grow by reading God's word. Grow your faith. Have living faith by filling your life with the word of God. Because, and this is the third thing that living faith looks like, it often will feel and look a lot like risk. You know why? Because it's, it's from our perspective. You know, from God's perspective, he's probably looking at us thinking, why are you stressing out about that? Do you realize I spoke the universe into existence? And you're worried about telling somebody that Jesus loves them. Well, what if they don't like me? What if I was rejected? I mean, honestly, if you start putting that into context with how big, how great, how powerful, how loving our God is, there's no governor he can't handle. There's no authority he can't handle. There's no president he can't handle. There's no powers. There's no rulers. There's no demonic forces that have any power that can handle the love and the grace and the anointing and the power of our King and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? So when we have that kind of faith, that living faith, we don't curse the darkness. We light a candle. We share the love of Jesus. When someone's coming at us and we think, oh man, that might be your enemy. No, no, no. The Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for those who do evil towards you. Why? Because our God is greater. Our God is greater. If I could have the worship team who's already coming out, come on out. Aren't they amazing? I said, come out and risk, and they did. Isn't that amazing? Let's give it up for them. So good. Come on out. Risk. Now, I, I want, if, you're, if you're taking notes or if you have your phone, would you put this little phrase in? Because you're going to hear this a lot from us. And I want this to stick. Because risk isn't my favorite word for faith. I'll just be honest with you. What my favorite way of describing live a faith, living faith, this is what it is. Faith first. Faith first. Faith first. Turn to your neighbor and say, faith first. Faith first. First, turn to your other neighbor and say, sorry, I'm not forgetting about you. Faith first. Faith first. Let's look at the Roman centurion one last time. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Did you hear that? Just speak the word. That's living faith. I mentioned to you, that when I was 14 years old, I had a vision that I would be a, a pastor someday. When Myelle and I got married, we actually put in our wedding program that our dream was one day to be lead pastors. That was 14 plus years ago. And I want to tell you something that's so important. God will speak to you. He will give you dreams. He will call you to things. And we want our faith to be like a microwave, 30 seconds or less, and be done. But I have never seen a microwave with a 14-year timer. God 
will call you to things that may take a long time for it to happen. And it's in the wrestling, the prayer, the times when, I'll be honest with you, there was times where I laughed, I cried, I called out to God, and there were times Myel and I would look at each other and we'd actually, I don't know if this actually is gonna happen. Will this ever be the dream that we thought God put in our hearts? So last June, we we're by ourselves and we're talking, we both felt God was stirring that a new season was coming. No idea that Portland Christian Center was around. No idea. So we're praying and God's stirring and all this time goes by and we don't have any leading towards lead pastor and we're struggling. You ever been there? Like, God, I'm praying for this. Maybe you're here today and you're praying for a family member that doesn't know Jesus. I prayed for my uncle Greg to be a Christian almost my entire life. Three years ago, he became a Christian. Isn't that amazing? Come on. It's when you're waiting and you're testing that your faith starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Then last Jan this January 2022, we got a call. There's this church in Portland, Oregon looking for a, a lead pastor. Never could have imagined the way that all turned out. So February, we come over, and we interview with the board, and we're talking to them, and we're, we're saying, you know, we would really like to see the building. <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine going to a church you've never seen. So they sneak us in on a Thursday night, late at night. I think it was like 9.30 at night. First guy we meet is Nick Wick. <laughs> come on, who loves Nick Wick? Is he in the, I don't know if he's here right now. He's amazing. We love you, Nick. First guy we meet is Nick Wick. He lets us in. We tour the whole facility and we're just marveling at all that's happening, thumazooing it. And we're walking around and we come in this sanctuary. And I remember praying, asking God, please just show me a sign, show me something that this is where we're supposed to be. So I come in and I, I come up on this stage and I stand right about here and, I, and I'm just kind of looking. And all of a sudden, God brought me back to that vision I had when I was 14 years old. And I started to cry. And as I began to look at all the different pews, I started seeing all those people years ago that are going to start coming to this church that aren't even here right now yet, that don't know Jesus. And they're going to get saved here. They're going to get baptized here. They're going to be healed here. Their families are going to be healed here. And one of the things that I was always concerned about is being a pastor, you see people get saved, but they don't have a family to be in. They don't have someone to help walk it out. Do you know what this church is? A 98-year-old church is going to be 100 soon. Come on. And here's the thing. When people come here to get saved, they're going to need every single one of you that know God to be their spiritual parents, to be their spiritual grandparents. Are they going to look funny and different than you? Absolutely. But that's where our heart gets to grow like the Grinch three sizes that day. And you're going to love people that don't look like you, that don't smell like you, that don't sound like you, that have way more hair than you or less hair than you. And as I began to pray, 
I began to cry because a dream that I did not know would happen suddenly happened. And you know what's amazing? Portland Christian Center, you're way better than my dream ever was. This place is incredible. The church where love is is going to explode and transform Portland like it's never seen. We are going to see God do revival in ways that has not been happening yet. My prayer for all of us is that our faith would rise, that we would have living faith to believe and trust, even when it doesn't look the way that we thought it would look, that we would believe. And so as I was crying and standing here, not, trying not to let any of the deacons know what was happening to me, allergies, right? I heard God say, this is the place I was showing you. This is the place. I was so humbled and so honored that God, he doesn't forget us. He doesn't forget your dreams. He doesn't forget his calling on you. He has not forgot you. Some of us here, man, you go through different seasons when you're at home, you're by yourself. The pandemic has isolated so many people and we think, are we forgotten? Are we lost? No. I believe that there's going to be a new wave of revival that's going to flow through this church and every church that preaches the gospel. All the churches are going to be packed out, filled. We are praying for city transformation. You know, we couldn't fill this building over and over and over and reach all of Portland, could we? We need all the churches. We need all the churches to be flourishing that are preaching the gospel. So we need living faith. I love how Mark Batterson puts it. This is what he says. Faith is unlearning the senseless worries and misguided beliefs that keep us captive. It is far more complex than simply modifying behavior. Faith is rewiring the human brain. We are literally upgrading our mind by downloading the mind of Christ. Come on. Would you stand with me? You've been seated for a long time. Would you stand with me? And we are going to have living faith this morning. Are you ready for living faith? It looks like trust. It looks like obedience. And it looks like risk or faith first. My question for you this morning is what risk is God asking you to take this week? Is God asking you to take a risk? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, maybe in here or online, he's not the Lord of your life. Today is your day to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Right where you're at, if you need to become and surrender your life to Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. If you, need to if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or maybe online, put it in the chat. All right. looks like we're all good. That's awesome. Anybody need to give it a moment? Awesome. Maybe online. Here's the next thing. This is going to take even more courage. Maybe you're here and you've been in church for a long time, but if you're really honest, you need to put Jesus first in your life. Like he needs to be the Lord of your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass. Thank you. I see lots of hands. Go ahead and hold them up just for a second. This is for 
This is for you and for all of us. You need Jesus to be the Lord, not your buddy, not someone who you agree with, but your actual Lord. So Jesus, you see all these hands. This is so awesome. Thank you for your faith. I just declare right now, everybody's hands up, that they would put you as their Lord and Savior, not turning back, not putting themselves at the center, but you are King and you are Lord. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap for all those that raised their hand? That's so powerful. When Mael and I were talking about this message, one of the things that she suggested that I thought was so good, and it's such a great opportunity for me to take a risk. Don't you love taking risks? Here's the, here's the faith first risk, is that my faith, my living faith, it needs to rise. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or imagine. I need to trust him at his word that he's going to build this church. Not me, not the deacons, not all the pastors. We're going to partner, right? We're going to obey. But it's his church. This is his church. He died for it. We're his under shepherds. We get to do and serve what he's called us to do. But he's asking us to believe him for greater things. We need faith to rise. So here's the risk for all of us in this room that you're saying, man, I want my faith to rise with you. Would you just come to the front with me right here? Get out of your seats. Thank you. Come on down and lift your hands with me. We're going to sing a song together. Just go ahead and come on down. If you're not comfortable or, you, or maybe you're not able to, that's okay. Uh, you can just lift your hands right where you're at. That's okay. Thank you so much for coming down. This is awesome. Carrie, can I get a high five? Nice haircut. Thank you for coming down. Thank you. Thank you. And as you come, would you just start, would you close your eyes? Close your eyes and just repeat this with me. Jesus, come on, shout it out with me. Say, Jesus, give me faith, faith to believe, not just for this church, but for the city of Portland, for my family, for my kids, for the grandkids, every generation. Give us faith to believe that you're not done. Where you say we go, we're going to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. With everyone up front, would you lift your hands with me? Just lift your hands with me. Everyone lift your hands with me. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.